believe it or not, we are in the final installment of Good to Go, this teaching series, this season of life that we've been in as a church since Moses was a baby, it feels like. We've been, we've been here for a while as we've been really digging into the final words that Jesus ever uttered on earth before he returned to heaven physically when he told his closest followers, and by the way, those of us who would follow those closest followers, what is known as the Great Commission. It's in Matthew chapter 28. We've got it here for you on the screen. This is what Jesus said right before going back to heaven. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Say all. All. That's good. That's strong. I like that. Given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, go. This is the heartbeat of who Jesus' people are. This is the last thing that he said to his apostles before returning to heaven. So you can can bet that he was very deliberate, very intentional about those final words. And so we've been digging into this for the last few weeks in this series that we've called Good to Go to make sure that we are personally, but also that we are collectively really and truly good to go, that we're doing the stuff that we ought to be doing, that Jesus has commanded us to do as his followers, as his people, as his church, the body of Christ. Now, I, I don't remember who it was that first told Julie and me. I don't remember who it was that, that alerted us to this, but some, someone back down the road told us a few years ago that there was this new restaurant in Austin that you had to go check out, downtown Austin, called Fix, Fix Southern Kitchen. And it's spelled F-I-X-E. And since it's a Southern Kitchen, it's Fix. But if you were in France, it would be something like Fix. But it's just, it's just Fix Southern Kitchen. And, and we went, and it is incredible, incredible, great vibe when you walk in the door, really cool decor, impeccable service, incredibly helpful, but not like up in your grill the whole night, just, just awesome, awesome. And we, we had enjoyed going, but then I had the biscuits. I have never in my life had biscuits, like fixed biscuits. How many of you have had fixed biscuits? Can I see a show? Good. That's good. That's a spiritually mature church. I like that. <laughs> I, I, they are unbelievable biscuits. Now, I know that some of you are sitting there and thinking to yourself, it's a biscuit. How great can it be? I'm just telling you, as your pastor... As, as a friend, I would not lie to you. It is the best biscuit in the world. And I'm not overhyping it. You know, sometimes when you tell somebody about a movie or a restaurant, you go, I don't, don't want to oversell this, but it's really, really good. And you kind of backtrack. I'm just telling you, it's the best biscuit in the world. How many of you have never had a fixed biscuit? Can I see a show of hands? That's cool. That's awesome. Robin, can you come here? I want you to come here a second, Robin. Come on up. This is my Believe napkin right here. Come on up on stage, Robin. 
little believe. It's all right. Now, Robin, I'm, I'm really happy that you've never had, I'm sad that you've never had one, but I'm really happy that I can expect, are you gluten tolerant? Okay, good, yeah. good, 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 good. Now, I happen to have here some fixed biscuits. Now, this is also a plate that says, this is your day, celebrate. So, I've got this all ready to go for you, Robin. Okay. And. I've got to spit out my gum. Okay. That go for it. That ain't going to fly. Now, Robin, I want you to know, this, this is maybe the greatest illustration in the history of the church ever, since Acts chapter 1. But. These biscuits have been in the oven warming backstage. I brought my toaster oven from home today. That's how committed I am to this illustration. <laughs> this is the butter that you get. If it, do you want the bottom half of the biscuit or the top half the of the bottom, the okay. crispy part? Okay. All right. Now. I know how to eat a biscuit. I know. I was just checking. Part. That was a spiritual <laughs> test. Um, now, Rob, my hands are clean, by the way. Right. So, Rob, I'm going to let this melt for just a second while we go. Because as you know. The proper way to eat a biscuit is with melting butter, not melted butter. So we're just going to kind of let it kind of, you know, just do its thing for a second here. That's good. Okay. I think that's good. Robin, I want you to try that biscuit for me, please. And now, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Is it go? Go. Wow. Okay, Robin, I'm going to ask you a question. And you and I go way back. Is that the best biscuit you've ever had? It's the best biscuit she's ever had. Please give it up for Robin Hagemeyer. Appreciate you being here. You can take the rest of it. Here you go. That wasn't rehearsed either. Yeah. Uh -uh. Now. I need the butter. <laughs> here you go. Hold on a minute. Give me the butter and a napkin. Thank you. Yeah, you got the whole thing there. Now, <clears throat> I did all that to do this. I want you to take note of something. I, I love... I love fixed biscuits. And just so you understand, too, I'm not like a bread connoisseur. I'm not really like a bread aficionado. I am more like your bread sommelier. I have done the homework on bread. In my 53 years, I have studied around the world. These are the best biscuits in the world. I'm telling you. Robin Hagemeyer, believe me when I tell you, she ain't gonna lie. But I want you to think for just a second about the risk that I just took. I want you to think, because if I had given this biscuit to Robin, as much as I like it, and she didn't think it was the best biscuit in the whole world, it would have torpedoed the illustration in a way that the sermon never could have recovered from for the next <laughs> two hours or however long we're in here. I'm just kidding, it's not gonna be that long. So I took a massive risk in inviting Robin up here and asking her, is this the best biscuit you've ever had in your life? We, as followers of Jesus, have got to be willing to risk it for the biscuit. Would somebody please help me preach? Tell your neighbor right now, risk it for the biscuit. Tell him. Here's the, here's the thing about, about this risk. I know how good they are. I, I have tasted that. They're, and like I said, I've done, I've done the homework. I've tried a lot of other biscuits in this lifetime. Nothing in the biscuit world satisfies like a fixed biscuit. 
They're unbelievable. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, have got to be willing to risk leading other people into a relationship with Jesus. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at this great commission, this good-to-go concept through the lens, through the prism of what we call a full-circle faith. Let's pull that up on the screen here. Full-circle faith begins when you start attending church or when you start going and getting around other Christians, other Christ followers, and, and it's a huge deal. For a lot of people, that's the first step, but for all of us, gathering together is unique. Nothing else satisfies like the family dinner. Nothing else gives you what you get when you come together with the family of faith. Now, you can listen to podcasts. I do all the time. I steal stuff from other pastors all the time, but it ain't the same as being in the room together. Tell your neighbor, it ain't the same. It's not. There's something that happens when God's people attend together and we worship and God inhabits the praises of his people. So we attend together. For a lot of us, that attending goes on to the next step when we make a commitment, when we commit our lives to following Jesus, when we commit to a particular church and say, these are my people. This is my tribe spiritually. I am in it to win it. That commitment then begins to take shape and to be lived out as we take the next two steps when we start to serve and we, and we connect with each other. And remember, we said that, that serving and connecting is where serving and connecting bridges the gap between that personal experience of faith and the public expression of faith. It's in serving and connecting, doing life together, not just showing up on Sunday or one Sunday out of the month or two Sundays out of two months, but where we connect and do life together. Jesus said that our connecting is so important that it will be the primary banner which flies over our lives. He said, the world will know you are my disciples, my followers, by how you love each other. You can't love other followers of Jesus if all you do is go to church. You have to be the church. You, you have to, to serve and to connect. And, and after serving and connecting, then there's this, this component of giving, of taking that which God has entrusted to us financially and giving back to the community of faith, giving back and fueling the ministries of God's church. There's something that happens when we tithe that nothing else replaces. So if there's, if there's no tithing going on, if there's no giving financially, there is a hole in your spiritual game. There, there is something missing. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christ follower, that's not for you. But all of us who go by the name of Christian are called to live out generously, to, to be people who are generous, not just in our wallets, but in our spirits and in our hearts. And that, that full circle is huge. But today we see that it comes full circle when we choose to lead other people. When we step up and say, I will introduce a friend of mine, a family member. I will share with them what God has done for me in Jesus. And I want them to meet Jesus. I, I want them to be a part of this. And that's where the magic happens. If you're not leading other people to Christ, man, your faith is going to stagnate. If you're not introducing people to Jesus, there's going to be 
a problem in your faith journey. I thought about Dabo Swinney, head coach of the Clemson Tigers. My son Joe just graduated from Clemson last spring, and uh, he, he is really, really twisted that Clemson is outside of the top four so far. He's really hoping that, you know, they dominated North Carolina State yesterday, which was, wow, awesome. But Dabo Swinney is one of the most amazing coaches I've ever seen. He's an amazing individual, an amazing person. But if Dabo Swinney was still practicing football like he did when he was 19 years old as a wide receiver at Alabama, he would be so bored. He would be completely stagnant. You would look at this 50-something-year-old man and go, hey, Dabo, let it go, bruh. It's time to move on. Glory days, they'll pass you by in the wink of a young girl's eye. Dabo, you, you got to be doing something else. And because he's a coach, he's, he's moved beyond just playing the game. And now he's leading young men into adulthood. Football just happens to be the vehicle that he uses. But he looks at football completely differently now. I, I would suggest to you that Dabo Swinney loves football more now than he did when he was 19 years old because of the difference it's made in his life and what he's seen it do in other people's lives. Because he's grown beyond just trying to get good at wide receiver. He's grown beyond just trying to take it all in for himself and make the team. Now he is pouring himself out to other people. He, he's saying, let, let, let's go. I, I want you to experience everything that you were created for. And as a football coach, I'm going to help you get there. In the same way, when you start to lead somebody else to Christ, when you, when you invite somebody to come to church and you sit in a worship service with a friend of yours that you've invited, who, somebody that you know, who doesn't yet know how much God loves them, man, you, it, it will mess you up in the most beautiful way imaginable. You, you will never be the same again. You will never walk into a worship service with a friend that you have invited who doesn't yet know God and think to yourself, well, I wonder if it's going to be any good today. I wonder what I'm going to get out of it. I wonder how loud the music's going to be. I wonder about the light. All of a sudden, you will start to see everything through the eyes of that person that you're inviting. This past weekend, Julie and I had some very special guests in our home, friends of our kids that we had never met before. And so we, we started planning weeks ago what we were going to eat, what we were going to serve. We knew that Alabama and LSU were going to play each other and God was going to be happy with the outcome. And so we started thinking and talking about that, knew that Texas was going to play and just dominate Kansas State, and so we knew that would be fun. And the main thing that we were thinking about, though, were our guests, Julie and I, we started talking about a menu. We said, you know, let's just make it fun. Let's just make it low-key and laid back. Let's, let's lay out a charcuterie bonanza. Just, just let, let's, let's just let people kind of graze all afternoon and have fun, and it'll be great. And so Julie started planning this charcuterie extravaganza, prosciutto, salami. She, there were almonds and berries, five kinds of cheeses, smoked gouda, coffee and I, on and on and on and on. She even put some stuff on there that Satan likes. She put olives on the charcuterie table. <laughs> and, and listen, I know, I, I know that, that olives are the fruit of the devil, but we had some guests that might enjoy it, so it wasn't about me. It wasn't, it wasn't about what I wanted. I, I would have been really happy to just go, hey, you know what? Horns are on TV. 
We're going to have some ham and some cheese and Topo Chico. Knock yourself out. But Julie went back and back and back to the grocery store this week. And when I say she went back and back to the grocery store, I mean she kept opening up Instacart <laughs> and making sure that we had everything we needed for our guests because it wasn't about us. This wasn't about Mac and Julie. This was about these friends that we were inviting into our home, these people who were important in our kids' lives, and we wanted to spend time with them. We wanted them to know that we appreciated their making the trip to Austin. We wanted them to feel comfortable and at home in our home. This is the exact same dynamic. If you lead somebody to Christ, your faith will never grow stale. You'll always be challenged. You'll always be answering questions, addressing things. People, I don't, mm -mm, mm -mm, don't, don't, don't ask me. I, I may not know. Listen, if you don't know the answer to a question, get in line. I get asked questions all the time I don't know the answer to. We're talking about an infinite, holy, morally pure God who for some reason called love chooses to engage with people like me, people like you, people who are highly, highly finite, definitely not morally perfect. So there's no way we're going to understand it all. But if we will take the risk and lead other people into this relationship, man, it will completely mess you up. You, you will never be the same again. You will be on cloud nine. I'm just telling you, this is how God operates. This is why evangelism, sharing the good news, leading other people into a growing relationship with Christ is so important. It's why it's part of the full circle faith. If, here's something, too, that I've noticed. I've noticed it in my life, but I've also noticed it just observing. I have never, say never. never. I have never seen anyone who is intentional and deliberate and active in sharing their faith, in leading other people to Christ, who is not generous of spirit. Those people are joyful. When you see people come to know Christ, man, you're just like, that's the stuff. I want some more of that. It's like when I share fixed biscuits with people. I'm like, who, who's not had a fixed biscuit? Anybody? You know what we call that? Blessed to be a blessing. That's what that is. Did I see another hand here? Look at that. You know what's so funny? It's, it's the women who are putting their hands up. There, here's a gentleman right here. I haven't had it. Boom. Now, let me tell you this. They're better in the restaurant. These have been out of the oven at Fix for a while, but they're warm. You're great. I don't know if Robin has any butter left. I doubt it, but you can try. <laughs> there, there's a moment that the Bible records in Jesus' life. It's in Mark chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, look in Mark chapter 2. And, and it's a moment, the spiritual significance of which we might miss because of the physical context. But, but I, want, I want to dig into this for just a, just a quick second. Look at Mark chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. Jesus was preaching God's word to them, 
And while he was, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, these are some guys who were committed. They were were not going to be denied to get their friend in front of Jesus. The crowd was so great on the ground floor that they went up the... In in this day and age, these houses had a flat roof, and there was usually a staircase on the outside of the house that led up to the roof, kind of the the fire escape ladder, if you will. And and they took the fire escape ladder up to the top, and they just started digging a hole as Jesus was preaching. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're speaking, if you're delivering a message, and all of a sudden mud and plaster starts dropping down on your head, it could be distracting. The first time I ever went to Haiti, when our church was investigating how to partner and, and make a difference in the lives of that nation after that horrible earthquake, we were in a worship service with a group of Haitian pastors, and pastors were preaching and, and speaking, and all of a sudden, the earth started to move again. This was about two months after that massive earthquake that they experienced. This, this was like an aftershock and a tremor. And I remember sitting there going, whoa. How many of you have ever been in an earthquake? Let me see I've never been in one. I grew up in Texas. I've done some foreign missions in California, but I've never been in an earthquake before. And all of a sudden, it kind of started shaking. And those of us from the States, man, we were kind of like looking around. But those Haitian pastors, their eyes got about this big, and they were out the door. They were like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not staying in here. They knew what was going on. Jesus is standing there preaching. All of a sudden, just debris starts falling down right in front of him. These guys are digging a hole so that they can make sure their friend gets in front of Jesus. And the Bible says that they lowered him down on his mat, and Jesus just kind of stood back, and they just watched. And, And I love what the Bible says. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, Jesus was moved by the faith of the friends. And, and, but think about this. The friends did not bring that guy to get saved. They, they brought him there because he was paralyzed. They, they brought him there because they had heard, the word had gone out already, that something was different about Jesus. And, and so they, they did everything that they could do. You know, Some people think they know about biscuits. Some people, some people like, I mean, I mean, I've had biscuits before. It's flour, it's grease, it's butter, it's good, okay. Those people, they, they don't know about this biscuit. That is the greatest biscuit in the world. This is the most satisfying piece of bread you'll ever put in your mouth. You don't know. If you think you know, you don't know. Some people think they know about Jesus. 
They think it's religion. They think it's going to church. If that's what they think, then they don't know. They, they don't know how good he is. They, they don't know how satisfying, how fulfilling a relationship with God and the forgiveness of sin. They, they don't know. These friends, they, they took this paralyzed guy and put him in front of Jesus so that Jesus would take care of the paralysis. But Jesus went to the heart of the matter. I want to suggest to you that every one of us knows somebody who's paralyzed. You know somebody paralyzed by pain. You know somebody paralyzed by hurt. You know somebody paralyzed by loss. You know somebody paralyzed by doubt, fear, insecurity, sin. And the only satisfaction is Jesus. The only one who can forgive Every sin you've ever committed is Jesus Christ. The only one who will satisfy is Jesus. It's our job to get them in front of him. This is why we're here. If this wasn't our job, God would beam us to heaven the second we come to know Christ. Game over. It's a lot better there than here, even on a morning like this. But he goes, no, I, I need you to stay. I need you to, I need you to do the work. I need you to go. I need you to go and make disciples. Invite people into this relationship. Show them what it looks like. Our lives ought to be as enticing as Julie's charcuterie board watching football yesterday. Man, when our guests came in, they were like, whoa, I've never seen a river of salami. There was a river of salami in my kitchen yesterday. They, they were like, can I... Can I eat it? Like, bro, that's why it's there. Go for it. Go for it. These friends did three things that I think are really, really important for us to keep in mind. Number one, they chose faith and facts over their feelings. They chose faith and facts over their feelings. They, they had heard the facts about Jesus that he was healing people, that he was different, that he was a teacher. And, and they chose those facts, and they chose to believe those facts over their feelings. They, they said, we need to get our friend in front of him. Number two, they chose others over self. Others over self. What about them? Real maturity focuses on other people more than yourself. How many of y'all remember being let, I'm going to say five years old. How many of you have a memory from, in your life from when you were about five years old? Good, bad, or ugly, but you've got a memory. I'm, I'm not going to project onto you, but I'm going to tell you where I was at five years old. At five years old, I was the center of the universe. What I wanted was the only thing that mattered. Now, fortunately, I had a mom and a dad who helped to break me of that habit. And as I've gotten older, and as I've gotten married, I have learned a critical life skill that choosing others over self works better. It just works better. You, if you wanted to just remove the morality of it, remove the scriptural imperative of it, just functionally, if a husband and wife choose each other over themselves, it's all going to work better. 
Now, there's a reason for that. Because that's the way God has wired us up in relationship. It's why he tells husbands and wives, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. These friends chose others over themselves. Like, oh, man, but if I, if I start talking to people about Jesus, they're going to think I'm nuts. Not if you're not weird about it. Don't be the weird Christian. Please. And if you do, don't tell them you go to church here. Just, here's, leading somebody to Christ can begin by just inviting them to church. That's why I'm wearing a Believe 20, 10-year anniversary hoodie this morning. Believe. I mean, this is how we as a church kick off the Christmas holiday season, December the 1st. I know it's early. I know it's Thanksgiving weekend. It will be worth it to be here. Believe me. But believe is a great invitation. You're not going to believe what happens at believe. Come along. Next weekend is a perfect opportunity. Next weekend, we're going to have some great preaching in here, finally. My friend, Judd Wilhite from Las Vegas is coming to preach next weekend. He is a phenomenal communicator. He's an author, incredible pastor and leader. You, you need to be here, and you need to bring somebody with you next weekend. Just, just, just invite somebody. Man, this, this guy who's coming to preach next weekend at our church, you would love him. He's got a great church in Las Vegas. That's a great hook. Like, I, I want to hear that guy. Christmas, our Christmas services. Just invite somebody to come to a Christmas service. Do you know how open people are at Christmas? People are so open at Christmas Stores start decorating before Halloween. People know instinctively, just, just by breathing the air around here, that something around Christmas has something to do with God. If you invite them, we pr I promise you, they will hear and be in front of Jesus. They will discover what it really is all about. Just, just lead somebody. Choose others over self. Last thing, these, these friends chose work over thoughts. They chose work over thoughts. It says that they started digging a hole. Anytime you put a shovel in your hand, you are starting work. There is nothing that happens with a shovel that is easy. If you pick up a shovel for any amount of time, you better put on some gloves or it's going to be Blister City, you're the mayor. It's work to lead people. It is work to build relationships with people of integrity that build bridges but don't compromise integrity. It is work. And, and so I think that's why a lot of times I have done this. When I look at the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them to obey. It's easier to just teach Teaching, just, just for the sake of information and just knowledge, I don't mean in the classroom. Don't send me an email. I mean, just, just teaching people facts and information, that's easy. But leading people, inviting people along into a relationship with Christ, whew, you, better, you better saddle up. That is hard work. And it is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. You will never be the same. Now, I don't know where you are today. 
But at this moment, I want to invite our ushers, our hosts. If y'all will, go ahead and come forward. We have something that I hope and pray is a help to you. Our ushers are going to pass out to you right now a good-to-go commitment card. It is not a financial commitment card. Don't panic. Like, I'm out of here. No. A spiritual commitment card. And if y'all just pass those down the road, I want to ask you right now to take the pen that you got when you came in today and start filling out this card right now. The first column says, where are you at? Where are you at on the good-to-go spectrum? Every single person in here on the attend portion of this, you are killing the game. You're here. You're in attendance. You have a pulse. Way to go. Maybe for you, it's, it's time to commit either to Christ or to a particular church. But if you've already done that, that's your where you at. You've done it. Maybe you're serving. If you've got the red shirt on for LHC kids, you're, there are others. But some of you, man, you're, you're doing the stuff, connecting, giving, leading, wherever it may be. But, but here's the fun part. Where are you going? This column right here, where are you going? What is your next step? The great thing about a relationship with God is that nobody has arrived. All of us have room to grow. There's always another step to take. So there's self-diagnosis, where are you at? But then there's self-prescription. Where are you going? With the Holy Spirit of God, what is it that you need to do next? Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's attending more regularly. It's not just like, you know, once a month or every two or three months unless I get a better offer. But it's about making collective family worship a part of your week. Maybe it's to commit your life to Christ or to a particular church. Obviously, I'm a little partial to this one. But there's some great churches around. Did you know that God raises up different churches for different purposes, and that's a good thing. Randy Phillips over here at Life Austin, he's one of my best friends. I love Randy. I love him. Poor guy just had his hip replaced. He's a great guy. Brad Thomas, Austin Ridge, great church, great guy. If God, if God wants you to be somewhere else, that's, but you're welcome here. There is a place to belong. Maybe, the, maybe that's your next. Maybe it's you've already committed your life to Christ and to the church, but it's time for you to really start serving and connecting, stepping into that. Maybe, maybe God did something and said, you know what? Tithing. To begin to tithe is your next step. To, to trust God to meet all of your needs and to partner with the family of faith financially to fuel the ministries of the church. And that's, that's, that's it. But all of us, all of us can lead somebody. All of us can step outside of our comfort zone and invite somebody to church. Or maybe it's actually to have a conversation to just talk to somebody and share with them what God's done in your life. I told you at the very beginning, the whole sermon, 
was it's time to risk it for the biscuit. These are the words of Jesus in John chapter six. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. If you're here today and you've never committed your life to Christ, in just a moment, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. I don't know what your soul hunger is. It may be the loss of a loved one. It may be confusion about who God is. I, it, it, may be, it may be guilt over something that you've done or maybe a season of some things that you've done. Whatever your hunger is, Jesus is the one who satisfies it. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the one who died on the cross for you. Becoming your sin like he became my sin. But he also rose from the dead so that whoever would believe in him would never die but would begin life everlasting. Right here, right now. I wanna ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. For just a moment. If you're here today and you want to take that step of faith, make that commitment to Christ, then I wanna invite you to pray just silently right where you are. Just pray and say, Jesus, I need you. I know that I need forgiveness of my sin. I know that I have a hunger that only you can satisfy. But right now, I'm choosing to believe that you will. I confess my sin to you. I claim your forgiveness. And I will follow you from this moment forward. Jesus, thank you. I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for a second. But if that was your prayer and you meant it, then I want to ask you on that commitment card that you were just filling out to just write there, I committed my life to Christ today. Just write it on the card. In just a moment, as a church, we're going to collect those cards for what's next. For what's next in your life, for what's next in the life of our church. But if that was your prayer and you meant it, I want to ask you as our heads are bowed for just another moment, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and hold it up high for a second. As a statement physically of that spiritual commitment. And so in this moment, I want to ask everyone, if you would, just take those cards and pass them down your row from your left to right. An usher will be there to collect them so that we can help 
with what's next, with where God is leading us and guiding us as a church together. Dear Heavenly Father, in this moment, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for this season that you have brought us through to honestly, genuinely assess where we are, but also to seek where you would have us go. Father, may we be faithful with that. God, we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.